0: If you have a Bible, open up to uh the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter four this morning. Uh, you guys know anyone who just uh who just carries themselves with a huge amount of confidence? You know anybody like that? They just have so much like like self-esteem, uh, someone who's self-assured, unafraid, doesn't care what other people think about them. They're just comfortable with themselves. Those people are the worst, right? <laughs> How dare they not be racked with insecurity and fear like the rest of us, those weirdos. Uh. It's hard not to be at least a little bit envious of confident people. I have a a daughter who kind of carries herself with a great degree of confidence I won't say which one, but it's lily uh, I don't know where she gets it. I think she gets it from her mom uh, anyway it's 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 just so much easier to be insecure it's there's just so many things for us to be insecure and worried about, right? I mean, the list is is endless. Our looks, our health, our our breath, our hair, our house, our education, our finances, our clothes. There's a lot of things that we could be worried about. Our sin. There's a lot of people who have a hard time even coming in to a church building because they feel like everybody's looking at them. Everybody knows what they've done. Everybody's judging them. Even though nobody's, nobody's looking at you. Nobody's judging you. But man, our, our insecurities convince us that everybody's thinking about us. We're, we're obsessed. A lot of times we're obsessed about what other people think about us. And we're afraid of, of rejection. We're afraid of failure. Uh, too often we make these unhealthy comparisons with other people. And that increases our insecurities. We, a lot of times, will place our confidence or our trust or our hope in things that are weak and flimsy and fleeting and that ultimately are, aren't going to last. At least not, not for forever. Money or, or our jobs or our relationships or our control. Insecurity just, it comes so natural to us. But let me, let me tell you a secret. And, and I, I tell this to my kids all the time. I think it helps a little bit with the uh, insecurity that we feel sometimes. Uh, everyone is insecure. It's not just you. Everyone else is too. Everyone else in this room is also insecure. Every single one of you sitting there and the guy standing here, all of us have our own unique sets of fears and worries and struggles and insecurities. All of us do. And if I asked you to share what yours is, you would immediately think about what they are, but you wouldn't say them because you're really insecure about your insecurities. (laughs) Right? A little bit. And, and, and even though I know we're worried so much about what other people are going to think about us, the fact is, other people aren't thinking about you because they're too busy thinking about themselves. They're too busy worrying about what you think of them. <laughs> and, and insecurity that we all face, that we all feel really at its core it's just another symptom of that, that selfishness, that pride that we're all born with. It's a, it's an unhealthy focus on ourselves. Here in, in this section of Acts that we're going to look at this morning, what we see are a couple of guys who have such total confidence, such Security. They aren't afraid of anyone or anything. In the face of very, very real opposition. In the face of very real threats. Even in the face of death. They are confident in how they speak. And their, their confidence is, is unique and it's stunning. So, so much so that even their accusers are caught off guard. How? How do they have that much confidence? Where does it come from? How is it possible to have this level of assurance in a world that is just so confusing and unsettled? I don't know about you guys, but do you want to shake off that nagging feeling of insecurity and worry and fear that seems to just live there in your gut all the time, and instead replace it with confidence and assurance that will make other people take notice. I, I kind of do. And so I want us to see what we can learn from the example of Peter and John uh, here in in Acts chapter 4. So flip over to to Acts 4. If you remember where we left off last week, Peter and John are walking into the temple area uh, in the evening for the evening time of prayer. There's a, a crippled beggar who's placed there looking for money. Peter and John get his attention. Say, look at us. I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. And the guy leaps to his feet. Everything is fixed. Instantly healed. And he goes running and screaming and jumping and praising God and a a huge crowd... Gathers and Peter again has an opportunity to talk all about how awesome Jesus is. About how salvation and forgiveness and restoration is found in Jesus. And this large crowd that's gathering listening to these guys teach, it catches the attention of the priests in the temple and the temple guards and the, and the Sadducees and Peter and John are arrested. Locked up. It's too late to have a proper trial. So they're, they're put in jail overnight until morning. The reason that Peter and John are arrested is because of insecurity. In, in this case, it was the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who, who were supposed to be in control. They were supposed to be the authority. They were supposed to be the teachers. How dare these guys come and, and, and try and teach people about God? Wasn't their job, and perhaps the most insecure group of of all of these different authorities was the, the Sadducees. Uh, everything this group did seems to be motivated by by fear of what other people are going to think of them. These this group was was the uh, the religious liberals of the time. Uh, they, they compromised truth largely so that other people would like them more. They didn't really believe a lot of what the Bible taught. They rejected ideas like, like a resurrection. Didn't believe that was a thing. They didn't believe that there was going to be an actual personal Messiah that was going to show up. So they discounted a lot of what the Old Testament had to say there. Didn't believe in anything supernatural or any miracles. Didn't believe in angels. Didn't believe in demons these guys were were wealthy and materialistic and arrogant and and just thought that they were superior to everyone else and they weren't a huge group but this was a group that that uh had their power uh m- mostly during that intertestamental period between the old testament and the new testament and they got power by compromising with the different uh governments that were in control And so they were very concerned with keeping control, keeping their power and their authority and doing whatever they had to do to still be in charge. And the same kind of liberal slide is still something that happens today uh, when church leaders and denominations start to devalue the Word of God and instead start to care more about what society or culture or others think we try to be cool and and blend in we try to accommodate at first we try to accommodate uh, you know using the the reasoning that we're just trying to be more relevant but at some point there's no more foundation of the truth and once that foundation of truth erodes then the whole thing crumbles and instead of standing firm on Christ the solid rock churches just devolve into political action groups or social justice clubs or shallow self-help places. Here, here there is a stark contrast in Scripture between these elitist, rich, well-educated, politically motivated, insecure Sadducees and the amazingly powerful words of Peter. These guys who who don't believe the Bible, don't believe in miracles, don't believe in a Messiah, don't believe in anything but their own uh, control, ask Peter and John this question. By what power, by what name, did you do this? Go look at verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today, for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders." but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. Began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Seeing the man who had been healed standing with them. They had nothing to say in reply. Oh man. That is awesome, right? Talk about confidence here. Total confidence, total clarity, total conviction. Peter says, I'll, I'll tell you. If the question is, how is this sick guy well? I'll tell you. It was by the name of Jesus. Jesus the Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Yeah, that's an actual real thing, Sadducees. Jesus, the guy from Nazareth, the one that, that you put to death. Addis, remember, you were there. Caiaphas, high priest, you were there. Remember? You put him to death. And you knew what you were doing. Jesus, the Christ whom God raised from the dead because resurrection is a real thing. It happened once and it's going to happen again. It's by the name of Jesus that this man stands on his own two feet. Obviously a miracle. And even though I know you guys, you Sadducees don't believe in the Old Testament promises about the Messiah, I'm going to quote one for you anyway. He is the stone which was rejected by you the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone and there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. Man, those are powerful words. These, these arrogant, rich, power-hungry, insecure men are rendered speechless by, by Peter. Peter the confidence of Peter and John for them. They realize that these guys are uneducated. But there's something else that they realize about them. These guys were the guys that used to hang out with Jesus. And I think, I think as they heard Peter confidently share about the power and authority of Jesus, I think they had some flashbacks here. They had to at least a little bit, right? It had to feel a lot like the conversations that they had had with Jesus when He was on trial. The kind of authority and power and conviction that came from Jesus was now on display with Peter and with John. These men filled with the Holy Spirit of God commissioned by Jesus to go out and be witnesses everywhere. They sound and they look just like Jesus I want that right I want that I want that for me and I and I want that for for you I want us to speak and to act with such confidence and clarity and conviction that other people are awed I want us to sound more and more like Jesus and to look more and more like Jesus I want to have the kind of assurance and security and confidence that Peter and John had here. Amen? You too? Anybody else? Right? The the Sadducees and the the Pharisees and the high priests and everybody, they confer together for a while. and They can't deny that a miracle has been done. And they, they really are scared about doing anything To Peter and John, because of the crowd. So they scold the apostles. Say, no more, no more, no more using that name, no more saying that name anymore, okay, guys? We're serious this time. If you use that name, you're gonna be in big trouble. That ought to work, right? That'll stop them. (laughs) Look at verse 19. Peter and John answered, said to them. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Nice. (laughs) right? Let's see. Whether we should listen to God or you, I don't know, you decide what you think we should do. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people. Because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old whom this miracle of healing had been performed. When they'd been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is You who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your father David, your servant said, why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever Your hand and Your purpose predestined to occur. Now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that Your bondservants may speak Your Word with all confidence while You extend Your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of Your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And to began to speak the Word of God with boldness. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonged to them was their own, but all things were common property to them. I think we find here in this passage a few clues to how to live a life that's marked by the kind of confidence and security and strength that Peter and John had. First, this confidence comes through selfless service. Comes from comes from agape love. That sacrificial kind of love. Because I think the best antidote for insecurity, which which really is an unhealthy focus on ourselves all the time, is to start looking at other people. Start focusing on other people. On what they need. On where they're at. To start loving and helping others. Peter and John see him a man in need. And even though they don't have money, they give them something even better. The more we start to look at other people and to help them, To serve them, the more we're transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, doesn't act unbecomingly, doesn't seek its own, it's not provoked, doesn't take into account a wrong suffered, doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things, love never fails. When we're serving others, when we're using whatever God-given gifts that we've been given to serve and help others in this way, with this kind of completely sacrificial love, and there is security confidence that our lives will have next confidence comes from a life that is grounded on the truth right you've got to have a firm foundation you got to have something to stand on Peter and John here aren't interested in having like a theological debate with these guys they aren't theorizing they're just speaking the truth plainly kind of sharply right the truth is is gonna hurt like they're offending these Pharisees and Sadducees, but it's just the fact. The fact is that Jesus was put to death, but that God raised Him from the dead. And they were all eyewitnesses of that fact, that truth. Then they recite these truths from the Word of God. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. He is the chief cornerstone. The truth sometimes, oftentimes might be offensive or hard to hear. And it's easy to understand why people like, like Sadducees, like, like us today sometimes, want to replace the truth of the Word of God that can be hard with something that's more comfortable, that's a happier lie. Telling people what they want to hear is safe, but it's ultimately selfish. We just have to speak the truth. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. Confidence comes from knowing and standing firmly on the truth. Next, uh, confidence. The the kind of confidence that Peter and John have here comes from obedience, right? Right? When they're told to stop talking about Jesus, they say, okay, you guys decide what you think we should do. Obey you or obey God? We're going to obey God. Sorry. God specifically told us to go be witnesses. God told us to do what we're doing here. God told us to go tell everybody about how salvation is found in Jesus Christ. That this is important. God told us this is what we need to do. There's no way we're going to do anything else but what God has commanded. Let I me mean, think, about, think about this one for a second. How much confidence are you going to have in your life, in your words, in your behavior when you know that what you're doing, that what you're saying is God's will? That's kind of a confidence booster, right? If you believe with all you, your heart that, you, that what you're doing, that where you're standing is exactly in God's will, is right where He wants you to be, you're going to have no greater confidence, no greater boldness in your life than being right there in the middle of His will. And God's will isn't some like weird mystery that no one could discover. It's, it's not the case. God makes it pretty clear in his word what he expects from us and what he wants from us what he desires from us Obeying God will result in lives that are marked by uncommon confidence and security Proverbs 10:9 says he who walks in integrity walks securely Next, confidence comes from unity, right? Peter and and John, when they're finally released, they go back to the other apostles and to all the other believers and tell them all about what had happened, all about the things that were were said by the Sadducees and while they were arrested. What do they do? They rejoice together and they pray together. That's the first, let's go pray. The first thing they do. Verse 32, it says that the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. There is so much confidence that comes from the fellowship of believers, from us, all of us coming together into this place. That's why, it's like God invented the church, that there is this unity and this strength and this assurance that comes from, from being together, from being united, from this Like random, eclectic group of people from all different places who who come together with one heart and one soul. There's confidence that comes from knowing that we aren't alone in in our God-ordained mission of spreading the Gospel. We aren't alone as we stand firm on the truth of God's Word and live in a way that's different. Because sometimes it feels like we're alone out there, right? And Peter and John were all by themselves arrested here. They they might have felt alone, but they knew that they weren't. Luke mentions here that their unity uh, it even extends to their stuff. None of them claimed that anything belonged to Him was His own. All things were common property to them. And I kind of think that this speaks to their their sold-out mindset. Uh, It speaks to their detachment from material things. Which I I think here is a huge confidence booster for them. Because so much of our insecurity comes from worrying about stuff. What we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and what we're going to wear and Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all those other things that you could worry about will be added to you. And again, this passage here, it's not, a, it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. It's not mandating that we recreate some sort of first century commune. But I think the principles here of, of holding on kind of loosely to material things and seeking the Kingdom of God first still apply to us today. So there's confidence from loving others and selfless service. And there's confidence from standing firmly on the truth of God's Word. And there's confidence that comes from obeying God and being in His will. And there's confidence that we get from being a part of the unified body of Christ and gathering together. And there's confidence that comes when we pray. Peter and John, they come back. They preach with such confidence that their accusers are are speechless. And after, after praying a prayer where they're essentially just praising God for who He is and for what He's done, the first thing they ask for, the first request that they have is verse 29, Lord, take note of their threat and grant that Your bondservants may speak Your Word with all confidence while You extend Your hand and heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of Your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. They pray for even more boldness. I love that even though they've just like showed such confidence, such strength, I think they recognize that that show of confidence and strength was supernatural. It wasn't because they realized how awesome they were. I think they realized that that confidence, that ability to speak with such boldness and conviction was a gift of God through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they asked for more of that. Fill it all the way back up to the brim. Keep it coming. Don't let it ever stop. I think they understand that things like insecurity and fear and worry are very human traits. And we need God's Spirit to speak through us and to encourage us and to empower us. And so they pray, and as they're praying, the place that they're meeting in is shaken. There's like an earthquake, and the Holy Spirit again fills them all the way up to the top. And they speak the Word of God again with even more conviction and boldness. The Bible encourages us to pray, to pray for, for unity, and to pray for boldness, and to pray for wisdom. And to pray for, for those things that in our, our weak, fallen, sinful, human state we often lack. To pray for those things and God will answer those prayers. Could it be, is it possible that the reason that we spend so much time in fear and worry and doubt and insecurity is simply because we're not praying for this kind of boldness? Maybe. Maybe we need to add this prayer to our time with God. Pray and ask Him for the ability to speak His Word with even more confidence. Pray and ask Him uh, to have His Holy Spirit fill us back up to the brim. I don't know. It's crazy enough to work. Let's try it right now. Let's pray. Hold on to something just in case the place shakes. God, I want to pray... Right now, for the same confidence and boldness and courage, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would again fill us all the way up to the top. The world that we're going out into after we leave this place is messy and scary. And there's lots of things that we don't understand and that we don't get, and lots of excuses to insecurity. But God, we want your boldness and your confidence to be able to stand firmly on the truth of the Gospel. We want that, that confidence, that boldness from Your Holy Spirit to be able to communicate it to those who need to hear it. God, give us Your Spirit as a guide who will lead us so that we will obey and follow You and that our lives would be firmly in Your will. God, thank You that we have nothing to fear, nothing to worry, nothing that will shake us because we know that You are a God who is in control, knows all things, and who is guiding, loves us and cares for us. Lord, help us to rest in that trust that we have in You. And then, God, use us. Use us for Your glory here in this world.